eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease and a whole lot of love, you transform 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I'm Steve Letarte, STP auto expert and former crew chief. I know what it takes to keep engines performing at their best. STP's latest breakthrough additive, STP Ultra 5-in-1 plus Fuel System Cleaner plus Fuel Stabilizer, delivers three times the amount of cleaning agents versus premium gasoline and helps keep fuel fresh during storage. For over 60 years, STP has been on the cutting edge developing products to help engines run better, longer. One bottle contains three times by weight the amount of cleaning agents compared to 20 gallons of the leading premium gasoline. Greetings. Welcome to the NASCAR and NBC podcast. I'm your host, Nate Ryan. Our guest for this episode is perhaps the best crew chief in NASCAR for the past three seasons. Since Rodney Childers was paired with Kevin Harvick three years ago, they have won the 2014 championship, scored 12 victories, and led a mind-boggling 5,815 laps. Those are some staggering statistics. You can make a case that Harvick's number four has been the best car in the Cup Series the past three seasons. But where it was once a Chevrolet, this year it will become a Ford. So there was much to talk about with Rodney on that front and many other topics in this episode. It's the first crew chief guest we've ever had on the NASCAR NBC podcast, but I guarantee it won't be the last. If you're hearing us via iTunes, please leave a rating or review or please subscribe. We're also on Audioboom, Stitcher, Google Play, and Spotify. And also check out the rest of the NBC Sports podcasting lineup. That includes the Tara and Johnny podcast featuring figure skating analysts Tara Lipinski and Johnny Weir. They had a fun episode last week that talked about Tara's upcoming wedding cake, the U.S. Figure Skating Championships in Kansas City, and adventures in Legoland. I bet even Rodney Childers might be interested in hearing stories about Legos, He's got twin boys who are eight years old, and we talked about his family toward the end of this episode, which was fairly wide-ranging. Rodney is very candid, and though he describes himself as mild-tempered, he can be blunt, and I think you'll learn much about him, Kevin Harvick, and the outlook for the 2017 season in this episode. So let's get to the conversation. We taped it with Rodney on Friday, February 3rd in his office at Stuart Haas Racing. I'm Steve Letarte, STP auto expert and former crew chief. I know what it takes to keep engines performing at their best. STP's latest breakthrough additive, STP Ultra 5-in-1 plus Fuel System Cleaner plus Fuel Stabilizer delivers three times the amount of cleaning agents versus premium gasoline and helps keep fuel fresh during storage. For over 60 years, STP has been on the cutting edge developing products to help engines run better, longer. One bottle contains three times by weight the amount of cleaning agents compared to 20 gallons of the leading premium gasoline. I'm Steve Letarte, STP auto expert and former crew chief. I know what it takes to keep engines performing at their best. STP's latest breakthrough additive, STP Ultra 5-in-1 plus Fuel System Cleaner plus Fuel Stabilizer delivers three times the amount of cleaning agents versus premium gasoline and helps keep fuel fresh during storage. For over 60 years, STP has been on the cutting edge developing products to help engines run better, longer. One bottle contains three times by weight the amount of cleaning agents compared to 20 gallons of the leading premium gasoline. Rodney, uh, thanks for being here. First of all, I know this has been a busy week for you, two days of testing at Phoenix, and that was an important test for everybody because of, of the lower downforce rules for 2017, but you have the extra layer of, of Stuart Haas Racing moving to Ford. So let's just let's start there. I mean, how did, how did everything go? Uh, yeah, it went pretty good, actually. It was, it was better than what I thought it was going to be. Um, you know, going into it, you don't know, you know, how the speed of the car is going to be. You don't know if your simulation is going to work. You don't know if your timing and scoring is going to work. You don't know if the oil tank you have in the car is going to hold the right amount of oil or if it's going to puke it all out in the trunk. So, uh, we learned a lot out there. Everything went really good. And, um, you know, I feel like for that being our first car that we built, you know, on the four team, uh, it performed pretty good. Uh, I feel like we needed to be a little bit better, you know, 
all honesty, Kevin's one of the best out there. And if if you're not a couple tenths faster than everybody, you need to work on your stuff. So uh, I felt like we were competitive, but we need to, to build better cars, and we are building better cars than what we took out there. So hopefully we'll be okay going back. Yeah. Uh, I was reading the, the story on motorsport.com that Jim Utter wrote in which he, he talked to you, and you mentioned the oil tank just now, and that was actually – was that pretty much day one was just like kind of going through your checklist and making sure things worked before you could actually work on the handling? Yeah. I mean, a lot of people think it's just about the car and, and, you know, some tests, they are that way, but with, um, with what we have going on with our switch, there's so many other things that go into it, you know, Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, my biggest concern has been the simulation and getting that going and, um, that's what wins you races. You know, I, I feel confident that we can build a race car that it will perform as good as what we had. It's all about getting it set up right before it leaves the shop. And, and, um, but that part went really, really good. Uh, but yeah, the oil tank and water tank stuff, I mean, you have to know going into the season, like how much oil has got to be in that tank before the race and, and how much room do you have to burn oil off during the race. And, um, you know, it's a fine line of not having too much in it and getting black flag for puking it out the back of the car <laughs> or right. getting too low on oil by the end of a 500-mile race and engine blowing up. So sure. it's uh, it's something you have to go through, and it takes hours of the test to uh, to get all that figured out. And and then it goes into the water tank, and you have to spend you know a couple hours getting that part figured out and what pressure does it need to be at and how much water needs to be in the tank and that type of thing. So, um there's so much that that goes into switching manufacturers and engine providers and that type of thing but um like i said it was definitely a a success you know i would say and um everything went pretty smooth yeah uh you mentioned kevin's success there obviously he was virtually unbeatable there for for a stretch since they reconfigured the track in 2011 but i know last november he, he wasn't quite up to par was there some like anxiousness about like man i i know i want to like prove everything out here with four to make sure we're good but i really want to get back and, and figure out like how we get back to where we were prior to november of last year yeah i think a lot of it was um you know in all honesty when we started 2014 i think um our group as a four team was ahead of everybody else on setup side of things and and we kind of hit on something that worked for us going into that spring race and we were able to just use it every time we went and mm-hmm. um you know we ran six races straight there with the same four springs in the car the same four shocks the same sway bar all that kind of stuff and you know everybody's going to catch up at some point mm-hmm. and um you know that that um i guess that amount of of leeway we had between everybody else just kept getting smaller and um you know last spring we felt like we weren't very good in practice and then we hit on it halfway through the race and never even had to run hard the rest of the race. Mm-hmm. So we thought we still had some buffer going into the fall race, but when we showed up, we were we were not uh, where we needed to be. So will you be back there come March, you think? I or? don't know. I mean, yeah. um, I, I think, you know, realistically, I don't think we're where we need to be. Uh, I think it would take time to, to get the bodies where they need to be and, and that type of thing. But... Um, it it could surprise me going back. You know, I think we could be better than what I'm expecting, but you have to stay on that side of it. You can never think that you're good enough. you got to keep working hard. So, um, you know, hopefully we can make enough gains and, and um, you know, be okay when that when that time comes. What was uh, your takeaway on the, the downforce side? Obviously, this is a direction the drivers like. They want the dra- the cars to be to be harder to drive, looser, should theoretically in- enhance passing. Did you notice many differences obviously you don't have the full field there so maybe it's harder to judge but what did you see they're definitely harder to drive um i think they want them harder to drive but <laughs> you probably don't want them with uh, to drive. with only 50 minutes of practice on these weekends I, I think that might prove them wrong but um <laughs> yeah we'll have to see how that goes but uh, you know they're they're loose you know just like they were at kentucky and michigan when we raced you know last year um, I didn't feel like they acted any different than what they did at those races. Um, but it's definitely an issue. It's hard to work on. And, um, I think it's going to be a situation where none of them drive good, mm-hmm. you know, and the guy that gets his just a little bit better than everybody else is going to be in good shape. But, 
Um, there's going to be a lot of unhappy drivers, you know, during practice sessions this year. And frustrated crew chiefs, because you just alluded to it. Yeah, so, very, very <laughs> frustrated. 50 minutes of practice. The, the schedules came out, I guess, uh, this past week. NASCAR kind of gave us a glimpse. It, it, it's going to be like an hour, hour and a half less than what you normally have? Yeah, it, it's it's going to be pretty short. You know, yeah. those, those Fridays used to run fairly smooth. You know, you had you know, an hour and 25 minutes of practice, and you started in race trim. You took 20 minutes to switch over. You got a couple qualifying runs in at the end of it. And uh, that one on Friday is now 55 minutes. It still takes you 20 minutes to switch over. So you're going to get one short race run in and and switch it over and probably get one qualifying run in at the end of it. But um, Or you're going to have guys that just stay in race trim and just wing it for qualifying and where they qualify is where they qualify. Um, yeah, you got to be good in race trim, and that's what really matters. So, if you're not very good when you unload off the truck, you know your your best bet might be to stay in race trim and try to get something going better. Because if you're not good when you start that practice on Saturday mornings, there's not enough time to fix it before the race. So, um, you're going to see a lot of different strategies going on there this year. I know you guys probably would always prefer more practice, but can you live with? less practice with as much simulation you guys are able to do and optimize setups before you even unload it. It's pretty elementary. I think, I think as a group, but the four team, if we wouldn't have switched anything and, and wouldn't have done anything any different than, than last year, I would have rather had less practice because I felt huh. confident in our team that we're always able to unload as one of the fastest cars and our, you know, splitter heights are right. Our skirt heights are right. That type of thing. And we we do a good job at those details. Now that we've went through this switch and we have a different simulation program and all that stuff, maybe we could still do that, but that's yet to be proven out. So um, I don't know. We'll have to just see how that goes the first few races. And hopefully, you know, our trend of being able to unload fast will, will stick with us. Right. I'm going to read uh, a quote you gave Utter in that story. You said, uh, talking about the switch, it's hard on people. It's hard on the company and everybody involved. Hopefully, it'll be rewarding in the end. It's just going to take some time to get through the rough parts and get our feet under us. What, what have been uh, those rough parts? What's been the hardest part? <laughs> it's everything. It, every, <laughs> everything. Um, you know, we, we, we've tried to stay positive for sure, but there's been uh, a lot of headaches around here. Uh, a lot of people uh, mad at each other and <laughs> throwing tools every now and then and and uh, maybe even a few times to the HR office. But uh, <laughs> other, than that, other than that, it's been okay. Um, but it's just a lot that goes into it. You know, um, you know not only are you, um, you know, you, you've got to start all over. Um, you know, we were used to calling over to Hendrick and ordering a housing, a rear-end housing like we wanted and it would show up two weeks later or, you know, order some truck arms and it would show up or, um, you know, order a chassis and it would show up. Now, all the, all those things. So, um, you know, when it comes to, you know, cutting the body off of every single chassis you have, uh, making modifications to the front clip to make the engines fit, and then you have to, you know, send those cars to get them certified at NASCAR before you can get anything done to them or you know, hang mm-hmm. bodies on them. Um, but we've had to make all new center links and, and new, uh, you know, change front clips around, but, you know, NASCAR rules change on the rear end housing stuff. So we've had to not only start making our own housings, but figure out how to make, make them to the new rules and make all that work, which is, you know, the tolerances are so tight. You have to have everything perfect. So there's been a lot of growing pains, you know, through it all, but, um, it's part of it. You right. know, I think every winter's tough. You know, last winter was pretty tough, and we we'd had the four team going for two years already. So, um, you know, it, it's part of it, and, and everybody's done a great job with it. So hopefully we'll be okay. This is why you do it, right? You like a challenge. Yeah, for sure. I think our group, you know, does well with challenges. I know for me, uh, I seem to get bored after a while. <laughs> uh, even when you're winning races and doing well, I get bored. So, uh, when when you go through a switch like this, it makes you um, excited again. It makes you work harder, um, but it, but it makes you go through all the details again. You know the same things that that we went through when we started the four team. You look at every little thing. You know what can we do better on the chassis? You know, why you got the body cut off of all of them? 
what can we do better from an aero standpoint? What can you do better um, as a preparation standpoint with the simulation and, and our tools? So uh, I think all of it's a good thing. You know, it's just getting through it all and, and making it all work. Right. Um, when did you first know the Ford thing would happen? Um, I don't even remember exactly when it was. Uh, Kevin kind of told me before I was supposed to know, but he, <laughs> as you know, we're pretty close. So, uh, he wanted to make sure that I was okay with it and wasn't going to go walking out the front door on him. But, uh, <laughs> overall it was, it was good. You know, uh, the, I feel like a race car is a race car yeah. and, um, you know, we, it's up to us what we do with it. And, um, it's not up to Ford or it's not up to, to anybody else. It's up to our team, whether we can win with it or not. So, um, you know, my, my whole thing was if he's for it, then he's going right. to, you know, drive hard and, and make it work. And, and if, uh, if he's good with it, I'm good with it. So it, uh, I don't remember. I, I think I knew about it about a month before I was supposed to know. About it. <laughs> okay. So you had a little bit of lead time before everybody else was stunned, uh, roughly, gosh, when was that? 13 months ago. Uh, well, as you said just now, Rodney, uh, you know, it is up to you guys. And it, it, to me, like it, it, it seems like it's more about autonomy. It's more about Stuart Haas kind of taking that next step than it is really a, a manufacturer change is part of it. But the, the building your own chassis and, as you said, you're not going to Hendrick anymore to, to rely on them for things. You're, you're really kind of doing things on your own. This is sort of a step up for the whole four-car organization, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I felt like, you know, what we had was a good thing for a while, and, and as the, the years went, um, it kind of got to where it wasn't a good thing anymore, and you needed hmm. to be able to go on your own and have your own ideas. And, and um, you know, I think I heard some some uh, some folks at Hendrick say that our engineering staff was really good. It is, and, and um, I think that that has proven out over the years, and, um, you know, we've – We've got to keep growing that, and we've still got to find more people and, and uh, you know do a better job. But overall, you know our aero group and everybody involved does does really good. And um, it's at some point you're going to have to stand on your own. Sure. Um, you know you you look at examples like the '78 right now. They're kind of in a perfect storm where all they have to worry about is making their cars go fast, and, and that's kind of how we were in 2014. And, but at some point, you know, something's going to have to change. And, and, you know, that point came for us. So, um, you know, we've definitely got a great opportunity with Ford and, and the, the amount of uh, people we've had around and the amount of uh, support we've had is, has been pretty breathtaking, to be honest. So hopefully, hopefully we can keep all that going. Yeah, it's like almost adding another team right for sure i mean it's uh it's surprising Uh, we went to the phoenix test and we had the plane full for one team to go go test for two days it was crazy how many people we had but um you know that's that's what you want that's what you need so um it's been a lot of fun so far not to single out hendrick but i would think for because it would happen to any team i would think any two teams that were where a situation involves one team building chassis and engines and giving them to another team or selling them to another team leasing them whatever and then that other team outrunning them there's just going to be inherent conflict there i guess right i mean it's going to um, cause some stress i think so a little bit yeah. um you know one one thing that i i was one reason i came here was because of that relationship with Hendrick. Sure. And um, and my relationship with Kenny Francis that that was what really led me to being here. Um, so all of that has always been good. You know, even last night I was still talking to Kenny. Like we're good friends. We'll always be good friends. But on the other hand, like what you said, you know, we wouldn't like to be outrun, and, and they don't like to be outrun, and that type of thing. And there was times that it worked really good. Um, but there's other times that I think other teams thought that we were fibbing about our notes and <laughs> we thought they were fibbing about their notes and that type of thing. And right. it ends up just being a headache. And, um, you know, we tried to just always focus on our team and our car. And there might be once or twice throughout the year that you might be off a little bit and you go and you look at what some other people are doing. And there was times that, 
you know, we would look at what uh, – I, I remember one time at, at Dover we looked at what uh, the 48 was doing and we had our splitter heights wrong and that type of thing. And and Chad was nice enough to send a SIM file to us and next thing you know we were fastest in happy hour. So, right. you know, those things happen. And there was, an, you know, a couple more times when – uh, they would change their car around to be like ours before the race. And I remember the, the Southern 500 in 2014, Chad asked me after practice if, if I was okay with him putting their car like ours for the race. And huh. I'm like, yeah, that's fine. No problem. We got about halfway through the race and we were leading and they had come from the back all the way to second. And I'm sitting here thinking to myself, they're getting ready to outrun us with our, <laughs> with our setup. You just handed but, the secret to winning to the other guy, yeah. But uh, <laughs> I, honestly, I liked that relationship. Yeah. I thought it was fine, and um, I think there were some people that didn't like it. But, you know, those guys were great to me over there. It didn't matter if it was the engine shop, whether it was the chassis shop or the, the crew chiefs and that type of thing. Nobody ever treated me bad or, you know, mm-hmm. or seemed like they were hiding anything from me, but um, – but on the other hand, you know, like I said before, you you got to move on, and we've got to be able to stand on our own two feet. And, and um, you know, if I want a, uh, a different chassis built, then it's easier to do that now. Uh, you know, we have designers that can do something and, and get something made, and you're not sharing that with the rest of the world that you're racing against too. So uh, hopefully all of it works out, and, and which I think it will, and, and uh, we'll get going better and better. Yeah, well, certainly you guys have been – top of the line you and kevin both the last three seasons i don't have the, the stats in front of me but I mean, obviously you win the championship in 2014 2015 2016 i think 15 you led over 2,000 laps last year i know you led over 1,000 and you can make the case that the number four has been the best most consistent car uh for the last three seasons pretty convincingly rodney and um i remember i talked to you guys i i helped uh, NBC Sports out with the, the post-race sit-downs after you guys went to Kansas last year. I remember asking Kevin Harvick, uh, you know, what it was about this team, and he immediately went to you, and he brought up, which I think this is the Rodney Childers philosophy, that, like, when he first sat down with you, you told him, I want to win practice, I want to win qualifying, I want to lead every lap, and I want to win the race. And it's funny because – I was just noting on Twitter the other day that you you actually put that out there again for everybody to see. So um, I want to ask you about that because, I mean, it seems simple, but it's also sort of – it's a pretty ambitious goal. <laughs> and you come off as, I think it's fair to say, pretty laid back and pretty low-key, but that's pretty ambitious to just say, yeah. I want to I be number one all the time. Um, yeah. Where does that come from? Where does that start? Why do you, why do you employ that? It's, it started as a kid, really. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of it came from my dad. You know, my dad wasn't in racing at all, but uh, he's been a car salesman my whole life, and he's been the number one car salesman in Charlotte for 40 straight years. Really? Huh. And he, you know, that's the way that that's the way he operates, and he'll do what he has to do and work however many hours he has to to, to make that happen. Hmm. Um, but when I started racing go-karts, it's just – the way I was, you know, I, I did whatever I had to do. Um, and I don't think I was a better, I really don't think I was a better driver than everybody else. I just worked harder than everybody else. And, um, you know, there was, there was years in in the karting days and we were winning over 300 main events a year. And it was, um, that's what you, that's what you did. You were fastest in practice. You sat on the pole and you won the race. And, Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I think starting the four team, we knew that, um, you know, we were going to have the driver that we could do that with every week. And we've got the personnel to do that every week. We've got the engine engines to do that every week. And, um, I think unless you, you have that mentality, you're not ever going to do that, you know? And, um, I have to admit, you know, in 2013, uh, 2014 and 2015, that was our goal. And it, it showed on the racetrack, you know, every practice, every race, and how many laps we led and, and um, you know, how many first and second place finishes we had and that type of thing. And I got to the end of uh, 2015, and I kind of thought that was the wrong thing to do. Hmm. Um, I felt like that people were looking at us too much and um, ends up – 
they end up focused on you all the time and and um i felt like we were going over to nascar too many times and to be honest so um this year we you know this past year we tried to pull it back a little bit and and not be that way and um yeah we would go out and practice and run slow the first three laps until the tires wore in some and then start running hard just so we wouldn't be at the top of the sheet and that type of thing and um you know and then when it come time for the chase we started you know going as hard as we could go again and it ate me alive like i couldn't stand it (laughs) i could not stand it and um i've already told these guys you know going into this year i'm done with that yeah we're going back to the same things that we said uh when we started this team and it's not going to change from now on we're going to try to be fast all the time and put the target on our back again yeah so you want that pressure i I would rather have it that way you know um Sometimes if you're that fast all the time, you can kind of keep everybody spun out in a way. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, but it, it's not about anybody else. It's about this team and about the people. And um, when you're fast like that, it just creates more confidence. And and the confidence bleeds through Kevin. It bleeds through me and, and, and on down through the chain. And when these guys are here at the shop working late or working on Saturdays and they look at that, uh, that that TV on the wall down there and we're first, then it makes them work even harder. So, yeah. um, you know, it, it's all about, um, you know, the race cars and, and building them the right way and having that confidence going to the racetrack. You, you obviously are, are demanding and so is Kevin. And uh, obviously, Rodney, there was a lot of focus last year on the pit crew. And um, I want to take you back to something Kevin said last October when we talked to him right after you guys won at New Hampshire Um, because at the time he was asked about you know you guys rebounded from the Darlington situation and you won this race you advanced and he was asked about you know how things were and he talked about you guys I think you guys had done a team outing team building outing before the playoffs at at, uh, GoPro and he said you know the only side you guys meaning the media Kevin said the only side you guys care about is I'm frustrated and you can write that story and he said that he tells the crew, you have to balance the good stops with the bad stops. This isn't just about the, the pit crew. I'm going to push everyone's buttons. I'd expect them to push my buttons. There's a mutual respect we have with the team. We're here to get results. Things will happen. We'll make mistakes. Uh, the majority of the time, it's been at a level equal to the performance of the cars on track. We need to be a championship team. So essentially, he's saying that when we look at it from the outside, there's a lot that we don't understand internally about him and the pit crew. Um, and we kind of just focus on, hey, a bad stop cost you guys the win at the Southern 500, and there's a lot of other layers to that. Can you give me your perspective on all of that? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, racing against Kevin for all those years, I kind of saw the side that probably the media sees or uh, the fans see, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Now that I'm on the same race team with him, um, he cares more about his pit crew guys than any driver I've ever been around. And, you know, he, he'll he send text messages back and forth to those guys and take them places, you know, all this stuff all the time. You know, I think the, the thing that um, we've, we've got the right players. Um, we made a change later in the year there during the chase and stuff, and, and that fixed most of our problems. Um, but it really comes down to a company thing. You know, we, we've been behind on some parts and pieces and, you know, going into last year that got a lot better, you know, didn't fix it. Mm-hmm. Uh, still had issues. You know, the thing at Darlington was a, a pit gun issue and um, we're so limited on parts at that time that we really didn't have any backups. I mean, I think you probably saw on TV they're running to, like, to the 10 car right. to get a pit gun, which isn't the way it should be in a sport like we have. So, um, But as, as an organization, we have spent tons of money to try to get better in that, that part. Um, you know, it, it's still not perfect, but I think you could see there at the very end of the year, especially if you pull up all the pit stops from Homestead, it was pretty impressive what we were able to do at Homestead. So, and that was just, you know, I told him it's the last race of the year. Just go as hard as you can. We have loose wheels. We have this. We have that. Who cares? Yep. You know, just see what you got. And, and they proved to themselves that they can 
they can beat everybody on pit road if the if the guns just you know stay with them um but we've still got some work to do they've made some some huge improvements over the winter uh we had a pit crew competition yesterday and it was it was pretty cool to uh you guys won right yeah <laughs> yeah and we had a one second penalty and still won so um it it, it was pretty cool i mean they were knocking out i think 10 fives to 11 o's like every time so um it was funny how all this works because they had been saying how good the guns had been and how much improvements they had made over the winter and I went out there last week to uh to hang out with them during practice and the first stop was just horrendous the next one was horrendous the next one was horrendous and ended up being a gun issue oh, and okay. uh so like I said we're we're not out of the out of the water yet but overall I mean we've made huge improvements and and learning every day and uh if we can keep the equipment where it needs to be then i think the guys will do a good job i know you've said before actually i was looking back on an interview i did with you a couple years ago when you were talking about kevin that um people don't always understand that he, he he sees the whole picture in a way that maybe isn't evident to all of us that you know he's not just a race car driver he's good at sponsorship side management side the, the money side he ran his own team he's got the management company um you know, he's, he said, again, that he, he likes pushing people's buttons, but he expects to have his buttons pushed at times. How, how, do, you, how do you do that with him, or how does the team do that with him? <laughs> we, have a, we have a weird way of going about that. You know, I think he, he knows how I operate, and um, he knows when I'm mad and when I'm not without me saying anything. And, um, you know, he... If I get quiet, then then something's wrong, you know. <laughs> or um, even even Charlotte at the fall race, you know, uh, or one of the one of the races right there in the fall. It may have been Chicago, actually. I mean, we we were fastest in the first round of qualifying, fastest in the second round of qualifying, and we qualified like tenth or twelfth or something mm-hmm. in the final round. And when I got to the trailer, I threw my chair. I did everything that he would do and may have even acted like <laughs> Kurt Busch for a minute. But uh, other than that, you know, it was uh, – but, you know, we it's just because we all care. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, if you don't care, you're not ever going to make it. So, um, But he he knows, um, you know, we have a good relationship like that. And, and uh, if I told him that – it looked like he wasn't getting in the corner hard enough or they're beating him getting in the corner, then he believes me. Uh, he, But I also understand his side of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I can I can watch from the top of the truck and know, you know what's going on with the car if it's a car problem. So um, overall, it, it's nice to have that relationship, though. Everybody on this team has thick skin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess you could say that. Yeah. You know, I, like you said, I, I try to – I try to treat people the way I would want to be treated. Um, you know, I'm definitely not the type that's just going to scream at people. Mm-hmm. Um, but you do have to get your point across that, you know, we're going to race a certain way and we're going to go about this a certain way. And, and everybody on this team respects that. So. Right. Um, I want to, I was doing some research last night, Rodney, and I, I just, I hadn't really realized when I thought about it, how long, I mean, you're still a relatively young guy. Um, 40? 40, yeah. Okay. And, but you've been a crew chief since 2006, 2005? Yeah, 2005. Uh, and that was relatively quickly after I was looking this up because your, your, your first job was on uh, Blaney's team in 2003. Booty Barker hired yeah. you to be yeah. interior mechanic, I think. Yeah. So you went from being interior mechanic to crew chiefing Scott Riggs in basically a two and a half year span. Yeah. <laughs> what was <laughs> you didn't have much of a of a development period in the middle there. Well, I think a lot of that came from just doing so much before I went cup racing. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I'd crew chief for a lot of people and raced a lot, you know, um before I went cup racing, uh built a lot of a lot of cars and um all that type of thing and um so before I ever went cup racing you know, I was building my own shocks. I was building my own cars. I was doing this, doing that. So I kind of understood a lot of stuff that even the guys on cup teams didn't understand. And, um, you know, basically when I went for an interview with Booty, he asked me, you know, like what position, 
would I be looking at? And it's like, well, I don't, I don't care. Whatever you want me to do, you know, if it's building shocks or doing interior and this or that, and you know, really got hired to do interior because I used to be a driver. I understood, you know, helmets and earplugs and gloves and shoes and making sure that the seat belts are right and you know you don't leave parts and pieces under the seat before the race and and that type of thing but um you know it was only god i think it was four months and they moved me to the front mechanic so Hmm. uh, it went pretty fast that um you know it was just about understanding all of it um you know and by the time we got to 2004 you know it was almost like my relationship with Shane and, and Brennan had grown to the point that I was car chiefing, but it was almost like I was a, an engineer on the team because Shane, you know, always used me to bounce ideas off of and that type of thing. And, and, um, you know, I have to admit when, when they pulled me into an office in 2005 and told me I was going crew chief at Pocono, I was, <laughs> I wasn't really ready. <laughs> right. Um, but, you know, in all honesty, it was a smooth weekend. I think we qualified third and, you know, ran up front. And, and um, you know, and that led to a huge opportunity with going with Scott to to, to Everham and, and working with Ray. So, um, man, it, it, it definitely moved fast. I think um, I think some of that's what cost us some, some races in the beginning, you know, um, just not having that experience of, sitting on the box and, and realizing it's a 500 mile or 600 mile race. And, um, you know, when you're used to growing up and, and winning 20 lap races and 50 lap races, and then, you know, late miles, you know, you're 150 lap races at the most, most of them. So, um, you, know, you, you go to Bristol and have to run 500 laps. It's a whole different ball game. So, sure. Um, I had a lot to learn and, and I think that took time and a lot of it was just being around good drivers and, um, you know, we had a lot of good experiences and there's still not a day that I don't learn something. Um, you know, I still mess up every day. It doesn't matter whether it's something here at the shop or calling a race or making the wrong adjustment during practice, but, um, just as long as you have a, a big enough brain to keep all that stuff in there and, and realize what, how much stuff you have messed up over the years and that you don't want to do it again is, um, is the most important thing. I want to ask you about, about that brain. Cause I know that like you have a lot of aptitude for, for picking up on stuff and especially engineering. And I've talked to other people, Toyota and who have worked with you who, who say that like, I mean, you don't have an engineering degree, but you, you basically have that that element that crew chiefs who do have an engineering-based background have. And um, you told me a great story, which I want you to share here, um, a couple years ago about you almost studied engineering, uh, I think it was Statesville Community College? Yeah. You you were going to go, and then what happened? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was racing at the same time, and, um, you know, I wanted to be a race car driver. Yeah. Um, You know, I thought from watching Alan Kowicki and some of those guys, I thought that that's where the sport was going is Mm -hmm. if you were going to be a really good race car driver, you needed to understand all the mechanics of how things operate and how, how they work to be able to, um, you know, tell the team how to fix the car basically. And so, yeah, I was going to school for, for a while. And, uh, so I was getting up at six o'clock every morning and I'd get to school at, I think my first class started at seven ten and, go to school all day and then I would leave from there and go straight to the race shop, build race cars, get ready you know, for that weekend. And, and, you know, no matter what I've ever done, I've done it, you know, I took it seriously. And like I would work on race cars from three that afternoon till 10 that night and then get home at 10 o'clock and still have to do my homework and, and study for exams and that type of thing. And it just got to the point that, I'd always made good grades growing up. I'd, all, I'd, I'd always gave 100%, and I didn't feel like I was giving 100% in school. And, um, you know, I wasn't the type that I wanted to have bad grades. So um, I was sitting in one, in one of my classes one day, and I just got, you know, the bell rung to go to the next class, and I walked from that class straight to the bookstore, and I sold all my books back to the <laughs> back to the bookstore. And the lady looked at me, and she said, are you sure you want to do this? I said, yeah, I just can't do it anymore. And, of course, my dad had paid for me to, you know, go to college. and um, But uh, instead of going to the race shop that day, I went home, and I pretty much sat in my room all afternoon 
trying to figure out how I was going to explain this to my dad. And uh, my dad is a very mild-tempered person, just like I am, and doesn't get mad very easily. And I honestly thought he was going to kill me that night. Um, <laughs> he, he about beat me to death. But um, it was hard for for you know your parents to accept that uh, you're just going to give up on something because I'd never been that type to give up on anything. And yeah. But um, I told him that day, I was like, no matter what I do that schooling's not going to matter and, mm-hmm. and I'm going to give a hundred percent and make it work. So uh, I think he probably looks back at it now and says, that, you know, it was a good choice, but uh, race cars were, was where my heart was. Um, you know, I didn't think, you know, sitting in a, uh, I don't, I don't know. I just, some of those classes, they, they weren't going to do many justice on sure. making the right adjustments of the race car on a, on a race weekend. So uh, but yeah, it was uh, an interesting day to say the least. <laughs> yeah, obviously the classes don't have the real world experience that you were getting at the time as a driver. And um, this is funny because a couple weeks ago uh, I was talking to Jason White, who um, re- spoke very, very highly of you as a driver. And I-, I was thinking like, okay, I knew I knew Jay White like raced in Xfinity and. Maybe he raced against you a few times, and then I looked at your record and realized that he was basing it pretty much all off your one start <laughs> at Myrtle Beach. <laughs> you made one start in your entire Xfinity career at Myrtle Beach, and Jay White like watched you do this in Jay Robinson's car and thought like you could have made it in Cup if if if, if the brakes might have gone your way. I, even though you, I know you finished last in that race um, <laughs> because you crashed. I'm sure that wasn't your fault. Yeah. Um, but you made the race and, um, and obviously out-qualified some good cars. And it's not just Jay White. I've heard Jimmy Johnson say this about you as well, that like you showed a lot of ability. Um, when you look back at that, do, do you ever wonder what, what might have been? Um, I don't wonder. I, I pretty much know. Like, I could have won a championship by now, no doubt about it, if wow. it was with the right team. Yeah. Um, it's all about having the right mentality and going about it the right way. And I had plenty of ability, but yeah, I raced with Jason a lot, you know, uh, growing up racing go-karts, go-karts actually, yeah. but, um, but yeah, it, it's, um, and then had a great opportunity, you know, when, when Jimmy was getting out of that, um, that bush car over there at Herzog, um, you know, they were talking to me all the time about maybe getting in that car when Jimmy was getting out. So uh, that's where all that started. And, um, but you know, it, it's all about getting the right shot, you know, Mm -hmm. and getting the right opportunity. And you see so many guys that don't ever get that. And, um, but you know, um, that's the way the world turns these days. And, and I knew while I was racing that, you know, reason i was good is because i worked hard at it and and um but i always knew that i could always be a crew chief one day i always felt that and um it wasn't like i said it wasn't about being the best driver it was about making the car faster than everybody else's and um you know i can't sit here and say that i could outrun jimmy johnson or kevin harvick i think kevin is actually the best i've ever seen mm-hmm. um i think kevin's better than jimmy johnson and hmm. and um I don't know. There's not many like that around. Um, so, uh, but overall, you know, I, I definitely had that ability and and uh, would have gave it a hundred percent for sure. Yeah. Well, I think it worked out okay for you. <laughs> um, I kind of like this side of it. I yeah, can, yeah. Instead of having to quit when I'm like 42, I can maybe make it till I'm 52. <laughs> and you get to do cool things like um, <laughs> a couple of weeks ago at NASCAR Hall of Fame, you're a guest of Mark Martin, who you, you worked with him as a crew chief at, at Waltrip. And when he was inducted, you were there that night. Obviously, you're a part of the Ray Evernham crew chief tree, which, which includes um, just down the hall here, Tony Gibson and yeah. lots of other big names. Yeah. Um, I'd say it worked out well the, the crew chief path right yeah for sure the the crew chief path has been uh, i love it you know that this is what i like i like you know building race cars and and um being at the racetrack and honestly the these off seasons just tear me up being at the shop all the time i, I like being at the racetrack and you know the years of being able to go test during the winter it kept you kind of separated from the shop a little bit so you still you know, and now that testing's kind of gone over the off season a little bit. So, um, but you know, I think you can look back at 
you know, everybody that worked for Ray has ended up in pretty good shape. And, um, and really that was just a mentality. Um, it didn't matter what your job was at that place. Uh, you were going to give it 100%, and if you walked by a piece of trash that was laying on the ground and didn't pick it up, you were going to go to his office and talk about it. <laughs> and that's just the way it was. And, um, you know, having that mentality of, you know, the trailer's going to look the best there, the car's going to look the best there, and and um, we're going to give it 100% all the time, that stuff lives with you for the rest of your life. And, um but he he's also good at picking talent too. You know, I think he he sees the the the, the good in, in a lot of people and and um, and you know makes them even better. You know, once he, once they work there, so mm-hmm. um, it it's always been cool. Like he was he was my idol. You know, like when I was racing myself, I sat on the couch and wanted to be one of those two either jeff gordon or or uh, ray evernham i didn't really care which one <laughs> so uh, you know hopefully i can you know keep winning some races and and hopefully win another championship or two and and be on that level to to where those guys are and but for sure it wouldn't be where i'm at without them all right um i want to end here rodney about you know i know you love being at the track but i'm, I'm also we're here in your office here and i'm looking at you, but I'm also looking to your left here, the stuff here from your kids, Gavin and Brody, and um, a photo that one of them draw. You're pretty, um, you're pretty active on social media, I think, talking about what family means to you. And I know that, you know, your wife, Katrina, obviously, you took her yeah. to the, the Cowboys game um, last month. She's a huge fan. So how do you, I, I hear this all the time, and we just, I think, heard it a little bit in the Carl Edwards announcement. How do you balance um, the family side of things with, uh, the demands, the rigors of being in Phoenix yeah. for two days on a week like this—it's tough. Um, you know, I think I think the you know the boys are eight years old now, and they're kind of that stage where they need that interaction with their father and that type of thing. And um, you know, I'm fortunate from Katrina's standpoint that she's understood it from day one, mm-hmm. and <clears throat> she doesn't ever get tired of it, and and she does a good job of managing everything and. Uh, and that type of thing but the the kids you know I, I feel like they go through swings you know um they're not gonna listen to her like they listen to me and she's not gonna uh lay down the law like dad does and, right. and that type of thing so right um you know i think uh, you always have to have that interaction with your father to 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 move on in life but overall um we have to make um we have to make things work too, you know, and, um, like over the winter we bought a new motor home just so it had bunk beds in it so they could go to the racetrack more often. And, and, um, you know, you, you have to make those sacrifices and spend all this money just to make your family work. But it, you know, the family part's more important to me than having more retirement. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, that's just part of it. But, um, you know, the winters, they kind of get used to you being at home more often. And so when this kind of starts back up, you know, they're, they're a little bummed out. They were pretty bummed when I was going to Phoenix, but, um, it's pretty cool when you come back, you know, yeah. and when you walk back in the house and see their excitement, it's, it's totally different than what it was, you know, before you left. Um, so, you know, I, I've got a good family and they support me and, um, you know, they still want to know when when we don't win, why I didn't win and <laughs> that type of thing. And, um, you know, but they hopefully, you know, that drive and determination to, to win, you know, will move down with them and, and uh, they want to be the best they can be at whatever they decide to do. I have a coworker uh, who is a crew chief, obviously, and Steve Letart tells me that there are just sacrifices you just have to make that – there are things you're not going to get to see them do and you just have to live with that is is that just something that they come to understand as part of this is dad's job and he's just not going to be here a few days a week yeah i think so um you know i I think for me it was kind of different like I, i talked about earlier my dad being a car salesman you know, he would leave our house at seven every morning and he would get home at eight thirty every night mm-hmm. and he worked six days a week and he never took a day off. So the only time I ever saw him was on Sundays mm-hmm. and, you know, 
he was gone when I got up to go to school and he was gone, you know, when I went to bed sometimes at night. So um, I think for me, it just seems normal. And But for my kids, it's totally different. You know, they, right. um, you know boys need need that that father attention I feel like you know if it was if we had twin girls I I would feel a little better about them just hanging out with <laughs> Katrina all the time but um you know I want them to be outside I want them to uh, play ball and and uh, do I want them to do what they want to do but I, I want them to not sit inside and not play video games and that type of thing and I think uh dads are a little bit more that way and and um yeah, we've already tried the the go kart thing, and they didn't bite onto that. And then they huh. went and rode some quarter midgets and didn't bite onto that. So we're, I think we're done with the racing thing for now. Um, some of your colleagues would say that's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of them that would say it's a good thing, but yeah. um, you know, it, it's hard to say what they'll decide to do. But uh, hopefully, it's something good. But obviously, they're going to travel a little bit more with that motorhome this year. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, it's cool. we we definitely have to keep them involved and and uh you know before long they're going to be to that age where one of them can go and hang out that weekend and and not be a disturbance you know um you know up until this point you had to have katrina there to, to look after them and make sure they were in the right spot at the right time and that type of thing so um you know it, it's fun to have them there um yeah they definitely respect what i've got going on even when they're there if, if we're not having a very good day in practice they can tell. Yeah, they can tell. <laughs> I'll come in the motorhome and get my computer out and sit at the table, and all three of them will go out the door, and they'll come back like two hours later. <laughs> so, um, you know, we have a good, we have a really good family, and and uh, pretty blessed to have that. That's excellent. Well, I hope uh, you get less questions this year about why you didn't win. Um, I appreciate you sitting down for so long, giving, providing so much insight. That's always a pleasure talking with you, Rodney. So, yeah, I good, appreciate it. Good Thank luck you. this season, man. Thank you. Thanks again to Rodney Childers for making time for us at his office during a very busy preseason. Thanks as well to Ryan Berry of True Speed Communications for being flexible and helping coordinate the conversation. And thanks again, as always, to producer Tess Quinlan. We will be back with another episode of the NASCAR and NBC podcast next week. It already has been recorded, so I'm good with spilling the beans today on who it is. It is the reigning crew chief champion in the Cup Series. It's Chad Knauss who, of course, has won a record-tying seven championships with Jimmy Johnson. Chad doesn't do many sit-down interviews, and I promise you this one will be worth hearing. It was a good conversation, so stay tuned for that. Wednesday, February 15th will be the release date, and that will take us into Speed Weeks at Daytona National Speedway and the run-up to the 2017 Daytona 500. Cars will be on the track on February 17th. Next week, also significant at NBCSN, Monday, February 13th, will mark the return of our daily show, NASCAR America, with host Carolyn Mano, who was on this podcast last week, so check that out. Also joining Carolyn in NASCAR America's return will be Jeff Burton and Daryl Jarrett, so be sure to tune in, NASCAR America, February 13th, on NBCSN. If you've got ideas, suggestions for the NASCAR and NBC podcast, Send them to me on Twitter, at Nate Ryan is my handle. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back next week with Chad Knauss. I'm Steve Letarte, STP auto expert and former crew chief. I know what it takes to keep engines performing at their best. STP's latest breakthrough additive, STP Ultra 5-in-1 plus Fuel System Cleaner plus Fuel Stabilizer delivers three times the amount of cleaning agents versus premium gasoline and helps keep fuel fresh during storage. For over 60 years, STP has been on the cutting edge developing products to help engines run better, longer. One bottle contains three times by weight the amount of cleaning agents compared to 20 gallons of the leading premium gasoline. 